Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast, the podcast all about the delicate balance between people and business, and quite literally, reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Thank you for being here. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And follow me on Instagram at hrtracy. That's H-R-T-R-A-C-I. Well, if you are listening to this on the week of October 5th or on the October 5th in general when this episode comes out, that means I am fully invested and involved and enthralled in the end of the wedding planning. I am five four days out, four days out by the time this episode airs. So I promise you, you will not see a whole lot of me on Instagram the week this episode releases, but I will definitely post some wedding pictures once they are available. I'm getting married on October 9th, so we are really close. So these next two episodes are pre-recorded, of course. They're not as... um, in the moment as I normally keep my episodes. So if there's something that comes up that's really interesting that you don't hear me talk about, don't worry, I will talk about it hopefully in the near future. I come back from my honeymoon on October 17th. So the week of the, or the episode from the 19th will be the most current episode post-wedding. So that means I'll be recording it basically when I get back from my honeymoon, which will be very exciting. Before I get into today's episode, I want to remind you that there are a few links that you can click in the show notes depending on what you're interested in, but the first is to actually sign up for the Human Times newsletter. It's where I get a ton of my HR information, and the second is to sign up for the Hacking HR Conference in March of 2022 where I am a speaker and panelist. More to come on that soon. But for today's episode, I thought it would be really interesting to talk a little bit about unions because I was recently in Bloomingdale's 59th Street, which for those of you who like to shop, Bloomingdale's 59th Street, which is on 59th Street and Lexington Avenue in the city, it is like the mecca of Bloomingdale's. It's their largest store, I think, and it's just, it's fabulous. Bloomingdale's 59th Street is where you go to really have a day. Um, And I was there recently because we do have stores in Bloomingdale's, the company that I work for. And when I was there, I was explaining to a colleague of mine that some of the um, nuances of that environment are really fall under the union. uh, And specifically that the Bloomingdale's employees that work at that location are unionized and they are union employees. And our employees that work in that Bloomingdale's are not union because they're our employees and there are some nuances there in terms of like our employment contract, how we're allowed to have our own employees in the store, how we can lead the Bloomingdale's team, etc. So I, it kind of inspired me to talk a little bit about labor relations, which I don't think I've spoken about on the podcast before. So the first thing that I want to mention is that I'm not an expert in labor relations, not an expert in unions, but what I can say is that I do have experience working within like labor relations in the sense of like how to um, really make sure that unionizing is not happening 
um, when possible that it's in my past life. That was a big, a big training moment that like people should know not to give away their signature, so to speak. Um, if someone comes in asking for them to sign something, because it could mean that they end up unionizing without their knowledge. And there are all these different things that go on behind the scenes for, for unions that try to get employees to unionize. So that's my one experience. And then the other experience is like I just shared with a specific location like Bloomingdale's at 59th Street, where our um, teams that work for us that are not our employees, but our Bloomingdale's employees are union employees. So I know that there are a lot of terms being thrown around there. I'm going to break this down. Labor relations is basically the study and understanding of negotiation and contracts and and specifically in this context, unions, right? And like those relations between labor parties and laws and different things like that. So when it comes to you as an HR manager or a hiring manager, HR professional in general, if you're in an environment that traditionally does not have union representation, then that means you are effectively totally in control of the contracts or at-will employment or employment policies of your employees. If you are a nurse, a teacher, someone who traditionally works in an, a, in an environment where there is union representation because those, um, those really those fields traditionally, at least in the U.S., are represented by unions. So in those cases, you do have to go through the union for any negotiation, for any, you know, I don't know, challenges, issues, et cetera. And so the union doesn't necessarily take place of HR, but the union is supposed to represent the entity, represent the employee with the company. So if a nurse needs or has a question about pay or wants a raise, right? They have to go to through the union so that the union can go to the company representative, whether it's HR or the manager, and share the concerns of the employee. Now that's super boiled down. It's not like as deep as I could go with what really comes to fruition when you're dealing with union representation, but there are definitely pros and cons to having union representation and not having union representation. And in my past life in Target Land, I did once experience or at least observe one of the Target stores in our district become union and specifically within the target it was the pharmacy so it wasn't the whole target store but it was the pharmacy team that decided to you know basically vie for union representation and actually something recent that just kind of cropped up in the news is that um, three employees in a starbucks in buffalo new york basically petitioned for the workers to unionize and What's interesting is that this is a current example of something that can happen in a major corporation. And there are specific things that as a manager, as an HR person, that you should be aware of that can lead to employees looking to unionize. So within Buffalo, New York, there were three stores where employees essentially petitioned to have the the stores and employees uh, unionize. So what's interesting about what I essentially just called out there is that they specifically talked about 
working conditions as one of the reasons why they've petitioned to unionize. And there are a few more stores within the Buffalo area that have now joined the petition. And I'll share kind of what Starbucks's response was. But working conditions, and this is kind of going back to that footnote of, hey, hiring managers, HR managers, HR people, this is what you should be aware of. When the going gets tough, meaning when working conditions are bad, leadership is bad, people are disgruntled, um, there's you know maybe chaos in a location, like there's a hostile work environment, all of those negative things that you can think, uh, oh, like something is going wrong, something's not right, we have to fix this. Those create, those situations create opportunities for people to unionize. And I just want to preface here, I'm not against unions. I'm not for unions. I'm pretty neutral on this. I, I have my beliefs on like the pros and cons, which I'll share some of them. But I do think as an HR person, there are more restrictions with unions than there are benefits for a typical employee, not talking about like a healthcare environment, because I don't, I'm not an expert in those environments. But when I think about where the majority of people are um, employed, which is in a retail setting, because we know this, again, going back to one of my episodes, retail employees, the majority of Americans year after year, those, the, like the majority of those employers, like the setting for, or the, for a union to be the setting for the employee, I don't know that it's actually so beneficial. But anyway, we'll get to that. So working conditions have a huge impact on whether an employee feels the need to unionize or not, because this ultimately comes down to whether they're being heard, whether they feel supported, whether they feel connected to the company. And although those things don't always, like negative things don't always lead to those conversations about unionizing, it certainly creates that almost like that perfect scenario for something like that to happen. Now, what I will say is that Starbucks responded just as I expected them to respond, which is basically to say, hey, we're having listening sessions. We want to work with you. Um, Let's talk this through. But they also responded in a way that was really interesting where they're saying, hey, if you want to petition to unionize, then we actually, and Starbucks told this in the National Labor Relations Board, we want all employees in the city of Buffalo to be allowed to vote, not just the employees from the petitioning stores. So I thought that was interesting because when you think about the the stores that are in Buffalo, there are specifically 20 Starbucks stores within the Buffalo market. So if five of them in total are on this petition to unionize, then that would mean that if those five stores represent 20% of the Buffalo market and they vote in favor of the union, then the rest of the Buffalo market is not in the same situation as the other 20% of the stores in their market, which can make like those situations like dealing store to store very challenging. So coming back to this Bloomingdale's 59th Street example, when you have like a mix match of employment type, like union employee versus non-union employee, it can be very, very complicated. So I can understand why Starbucks is saying, hey, if they're going to be the stores that vote, then we need all Buffalo employees to vote because then at least you are representing the entirety of the city. And then I would imagine if they vote yes, then all 20 stores would be union versus if they vote no, then all 20 stores would not be union. 
instead of having five union and 15 not union. So again, coming back to this like nuance and complication of having some union, some not union, it really puts a lot of pressure on the not only the company, but the HR function and the managers to have to constantly switch gears between how they're leading. And you wouldn't actually be able to share talent. Like you wouldn't be able to have an employee from Buffalo store number one, who is a union employee work in Buffalo store number six, who is not a union store, because that would mean that their employment type and their contract are totally different because a union employee will have a contract, whereas a non-union employee will be at will. And I think there are some differences between union and at will employment. So that makes things super complicated. Again, it doesn't mean that it's a bad idea to unionize, but those are things to think about. The other thing that I always think about with unions is that the employee, for sure, it feels like the employee is going to have this representation that they didn't have before, potentially didn't feel that they had before. But actually with a union, you often lose your individuality because the union has to represent the conglomerate and the the population in total. Certainly, if there's something that involves you specifically, they will have to go and, you know, kind of fight on your behalf or represent you individually. But when it comes to like employee rights or employee desires, the union has to look at the full picture versus looking at on an individual basis. So it gives companies a lot less flexibility and it gives the employee a little bit less individuality within an organization. The other thing is that unions negotiate hard for salary and benefits and all of those things. But part of negotiations is that the company also puts restrictions on what negotiations look like. So for a union, they might negotiate, hey, we want salary raises every year and it has to be at least at least this percent and whatever. But the company could say, okay, that's fine, you know, salary raises, reviews, whatever, every year, but the employee cannot be incrementally raised within the year. Like they can put parameters on what the union allows or is allowed to do and allowed to fight for for their, you know, representative for their client or in this case the employee. So that also, when you think about the difference between a union environment and a non-union environment, when you are not in a union, you can potentially have flexibility as often as you want. Like maybe you get a raise in September, but also you get a raise at another point in the year. When you're in a union environment, you don't necessarily get that flexibility. Some of the benefits to unions, of course, is that you have that equitable representation, someone just specifically looking out for you and negotiating your desires and needs. Um, a union also is representing you when it comes down to any type of employment action. So when you think about like an investigation or something like that, there would be a union representative, representative, literally representing you in the investigation or in the situation. So for stories, for example, that I've shared with you about investigations that I've led, if I were in a union environment, I would have to lead that investigation, but through a union representative or in partnership with a union representative. So that is definitely a benefit to an employee, um, especially in an environment where maybe you feel unsupported by your manager's leadership, executive team, HR team, etc. So those are some things that I think 
especially in the U.S., people might not know, have a, a ton of awareness around. Um, but especially outside of the U.S., I think unions are actually a little bit more common outside of the U.S. But at the same time, in the U.S., we have different federal agencies that actually focus on and are required to look at employment laws and functions. Like I think about OSHA, for example, which is the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. They specifically focus on things that can and cannot happen in the workplace. And these government programs didn't always exist. And so at the time when unions were the most popular, which was really in the 80s, those programs were either non-existent or just becoming important because of the uh, the prevalence of unions, I think. Um, but now that these government organizations and agencies are specifically focused on these employee functions or elements of employment, actually, in some ways, unions, I think, are probably phasing out. And maybe not, it won't even be much of um, an important factor for employment or the specific types of employment because as long as the government is doing the things that the union says that they will do, then you actually don't need a union. Like if the government says, okay, you need to report on your salary, um, you know, metrics every year, which they do, the EEOC is, uh, requires a, for, uh, a report basically to be completed every single year. And the EEOC is the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission, which I've mentioned before. But the EEOC actually requires organizations of certain sizes to report on their salary statistics. So these things, like when we think about equity and pay, which is a major uh, like pro in the pros and cons list for unionizing, that is already something that the government is stepping in on to make sure that there is equity in pay. So I do think that eventually these you know, the need for unions will phase out. At any rate, with Starbucks specifically in Buffalo, I don't think that they'll end up unionizing. I feel like it's not so common. I think that they're, especially for a Starbucks, you know, employee where mobility is going to be their best friend, like being able to move between the stores and promotional opportunities and things like that. I don't see an employee at that you know, employment level or employment type benefiting so much from a union environment, especially since each store probably has, depending on how much volume it pulls, they probably have an HR person within each store. So I don't, I don't know. We'll see. But it does sound like there's some work to do on the working conditions front. I would love to hear what you think if you are in a union. Um, and specifically, I'd love to hear like what you like about it, what you don't like about it, if you would, if you prefer unions or not. Naturally, I know a lot of people who are unionized because they work in healthcare or they are teachers, and it's just kind of like a way of life. I definitely know of people who are, especially um, in those two industries, who really dislike the union environment, but there's no way around it because that's just the way it is. And some of the reasons that I've heard that they dislike it really comes down to like where the representation sits and that it's a little bit inequitable actually, and that the union prioritizes certain groups of people or certain job types or jobs over others. And that 
specifically within those functions of the job that people who are prioritized get more and get better things from the negotiations that the union is having with the organization. So I'm sure that there are people who are going to say, love it, love my union, couldn't live without them. But I also know that there is the other side of that coin. So hopefully this taught you something about unions. I mean, there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot of history behind unions. There are a lot of good things that unions do for employees. There are a lot of good things that companies do without unions for employees. So if you are ever in a situation where you have an opportunity to unionize or petition to unionize, think very, very carefully about what it is that you appreciate about your non-union environment and what it is that you're looking to have. Because the unions sell a lot, right? Like they tell you a lot that a lot of the things that you want to hear, but it's not necessarily what you'll get because unions make a ton of money. People, unions are not free. So people pay in union fees into these unions. Um, so naturally it's, it's, there is an incentive for people to push the union onto employees. So, you know, just be cautious, be thoughtful and research. If you are in an, in a situation where you have an opportunity to think about unionizing, because there's always, there are always pros and cons to any decision, but I, it's not always exactly what it seems. So as a person who's never been in a union, I can say I've done my research. I know the pros and cons. I see what I would want, what I wouldn't want. And there are definitely, there's definitely a lot more beneath the surface that's worthwhile looking into and understanding before any decision is made, before you sign your name um, and you know commit one way or another. So with that, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Next week, there will be an amazing episode with a guest named Brett Turley, so definitely be sure to check that out. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow me on Instagram at hrtracy. Leave a review, a comment, message me on Instagram. I'll get to you as soon as I can amidst all of the wedding stuff. But at any rate, know that I appreciate that you're here. And I will see you and speak to you next week.